0: They're telling the stories of mobsters, they're telling the stories of entertainers, they're telling the stories of the Black community, the LGBT community, the stories of women. All of these stories are being wrapped up into the tours that we're providing. It is surprising to me how exciting this job is for so many. It's a lot of work to get someone
1: ready for this role. You're listening to the Hospitality Leaders. Each week on the show, we bring you conversations with leaders in the hospitality, event, and food service industries. Our conversations help you understand the state of the industry, the challenges we all face today, and what the future holds. Subscribe and be sure to check out our website for more resources at hospitalityleaderspodcast.com. This episode is brought to you by Upshift. Our on-demand staffing platform allows businesses to hire high-quality hourly workers with peace of mind. Find out more at upshift.work. I'm here today with Aaron Berger. He's the executive director of the Neon Museum in Las Vegas. How are you doing today, Aaron? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Awesome, awesome. The Neon Museum, I know that we've talked about it, but if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit, what is the Neon Museum?
0: So the Neon Museum is genuinely one of the most iconic destinations in all of Las Vegas. So we are the, the proud recipients of about 800 signs that catalog all of Las Vegas's history. So we're not a very old town. We were founded in 1905. So really to be able to, to still reach back into to the generations and, and tell the stories through these signs is a really great way of telling stories and telling history.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So your facility, right? Uh, describe it for me. How big is it? What if I'm going there as a guest, what am I going to see? Sure. So we're
0: on three acres, actually, and we composed of a couple of different aspects. So when you first walk up, you're going to be greeted by this incredible piece of architecture designed by an architect named Paul Revere Williams. He was the first black architect accepted into the AIA. And he's made this piece called, it's supposed to be a reference to a seashell. We call it Googie Architecture. And Googie is the right word when you walk through. It's also the only place that actually indoors in our facility. So it's a small space. You check, get your ticket checked there, and then you go out into the boneyard. And that's where you're going to experience about 250 of our signs that are on display. We're going to walk you through in a guided tour and show you the history of Las Vegas. So, again, these sort of legendary properties like the Stardust or Liberace's show or the the Sassy Sally's or the Moulin Rouge, all of these great places are going to come through and be fantastic and lit up for you as you experience
1: it. Wow. Well, that sounds awesome. Now, it's a really that's a really unique, obviously, uh, part of the hospitality industry to get into. So take us, how did you end up here? Like, what was your career progression? This is, I'm I'm pretty sure you didn't wake up one day and say, that's what I want to run, especially because it's only about 10 years old.
0: Actually, I will say this is the dream job for me. This is definitely the place I want to be. So I have had 25 years in museums, working either with or for museums. This is my fourth museum as director and my second museum that's accredited. So I was mentioning earlier that the museum, the Neon Museum, is an accredited museum, which means that we have received accreditation through the American Alliance of Museums. Out of 33,000 museums in the U.S., less than 3% reached that goal. And it's really exciting for me to be a part of this. So this is a chance after being an art museum director and a cultural museum director to bring those two things together here in Las Vegas is a dream come true for me.
1: Awesome. Well, congratulations. That sounds like a Thank huge you. accomplishment, a huge accomplishment. So you're in Vegas. I've talked to a number of people on the show, especially recently. And whether it's casinos or caterers or venues, labor's in a huge demand right now. Being that you're not one of the primary businesses that people think of when they go to Vegas, how are you competing in this crazy market right now?
0: It's really, it's it is definitely at the forefront of our. This is the business side of being a museum, right? So our job as a museum is to educate a visitor. We want you to come through and leave knowing more than when you came through the doors to begin with. So that is our product. But there's a business side to what we do as well. And a lot of our business relies on philanthropy. It relies on donors giving money to support the efforts of that education. And right now, my main topic of conversation when I'm out raising money is that I have to be able to compete with the wages of those big box retailers. So these folks are starting at $25 an hour because this this great resignation that we've talked about and heard about, certainly in the news, is real. It's very real. And so as a nonprofit where our revenues are not gauged by shareholders... And stock prices, they're gauged by philanthropy. This is where we have to really be very conscious of how can we provide the best working environments possible, but still face the realities of being a nonprofit and what we're doing.
1: So it's a challenging environment for us right now. Okay, so... It it the outset, like $20 an hour, $20 plus an hour. That sounds absolutely awesome, but I'm taking it that there's a little bit more to this job than just taking tickets at the entrance or something like that. What kind of a team member are you looking for when they come on?
0: So our folks are rooted really in education themselves. So either history degrees or education degrees. And so they're coming through and they're, again, they're telling the stories of Las Vegas history. They're telling the stories of mobsters. They're telling the stories of entertainers. They're telling the stories of uh, the Black community, the LGBT community, the stories of women. All of these stories are being wrapped up Mm -hmm. into the tours that we're providing. And so it it is surprising to me how exciting this job is for so many. And it's a lot of work to get someone ready for this role.
1: So it sounds like if you are, you get somebody through the door, you beat out a big box retailer, you've got the wages that you're fighting for right now, you're having to do a ton of education. What What's next? Because I think that's what everybody's surrounding this conversation with, right? It's people are leaving jobs at record numbers and employers are figuring out how to cover the base, but they're not, they're struggling with retention right? So what kind of things are you doing in your environment? I mean, it's got to be a unique environment. What kind of things are you doing to try to retain the talent you're getting through the door?
0: So a a couple of things. We're doing several things, actually. One is, is really targeted recruitment. So instead of general job fairs and things like that and ads that are placed in mass publications, we're really focusing on reaching the people that we want to be working with us and providing them with the opportunity that they need. So whether these are Early childhood education majors at UNLV, or their hospitality graduates, people who are history majors, trying to bring those folks in and, and recruit from there. We're also spending a lot of time focused on the culture of our organization. So, doing everything from monthly meetings where we're getting together and spending some strong social time and some learning time where we're providing that professional development, letting people. Get to know their coworkers, ones they may not be on shift with, but also doing some silly things that bring us together as a unit. So we just started our bowling league last night, right? So these are the things that we want people to get together and just, we want to become more of a family unit and enjoy the place that you work and, and the environment that you're in.
1: That's awesome. And I kind of want to start with what you talked about to begin with, which is targeting. From the outset, I think a lot of people have gotten caught in the trap of, let's go fishing in a large pond yeah. and we're going to catch something, right? And it's going to be something and maybe we can mold it, maybe we can't, but that something's going to be here. But sounds like you're targeting uh, team members that that are, are going to fit based on what you've seen in the past. Am I getting that right?
0: I think that's a great way of saying it. And I think really it's about meeting our needs and meeting their needs right? So let's find an employee that wants to and is passionate about history, wants to tell these stories. So there are people out there who are either Vegas natives or they've moved here and they love the story. Um, they love the scandals. They love the, the hidden history that we have here. And they want to share that story. So we found success with theater majors, Again, those those folks have been ter- terrific for us in leading groups through. Again, with that interest and enthusiasm for history. So yeah, being able to to look at who are the specific people that that we can have in. The other part of that too, I think, is also something we started just after I joined the museum, which is being able to provide tours in Spanish. And and that's been a 35% of the county we live in is a Latinx community, and so making sure that we don't have barriers for people to learn and understand. So bilingual docents are really key to us. That's another factor that we consider.
1: Awesome. Well, and I think that's a huge part that is really missing from the employment market today, right? A lot of employers, they are trying to fit people to the situation versus the other way around, which is, this is yeah. what we are. This is what we do. This is what we want to be. There's got to be somebody out there for us, right? Correct. Correct. Um,
0: yes. Hope is not a strategy. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So we have to sit back and actually sit back and think of who are the people that we want to work here and who are the people who are going to be happiest doing this job. So so that involves a little bit of extra work on our part. And we're happy to do it. The, the staff salaries and things like that. These are things I just unfortunately is, again, a nonprofit. It's hard to compete against against some of these major retailers. But we can provide other avenues that that again, some of their officers or offerings can't provide.
1: okay, okay, that, and, and you're absolutely correct. You know when I think about kind of your day to day, right? you've got to be busy. I, I can only imagine that that especially trying to get all this support, all this funding to be able to do all of these things participating in bowling leagues, all of this other <laughs> stuff that you're you're doing right now. What made you decide that, that it's extremely important to, to drop some of the, let's say, business stuff for developing culture? Because it sounds like that's a huge part of how you retain people. What made you make that shift? That's where you need to spend your time.
0: Part of it is just listening to our employees. Our employees want it, right? So our employees want to create environments where, again, they're in this to get to know their coworkers, to get to know who they work with, to get to know our visitors, so being able to sit down and listen with them is we have about 50 employees and every year I sit down and spend an hour with each employee going through what is it that that motivates you? What do you need from us? What can we do to make this a better environment? And thats there's no finish line, right? There's no goal. There's no end points to that. So what the needs are coming out of a pandemic are very different from the needs six months past the pandemic, right? So we have to be constantly listening to our staff and being able to hear from them. That's why these monthly meetings are so critical and just being able to have these two-way conversations. One of the things that I, we've started to is during our interview process, when you get to the final interviews, we do something called a 50-50 interview. And 50% of that interview is us asking you a couple final questions about the, your qualifications. But then the rest of that interview is set for you to ask our team members anything. And you can ask about the culture. You can ask about Vegas. You can ask about favorite restaurants. You can ask about what's a typical day look like. What do you want from me in 90 days? Those kinds of things. That's all part of it. So it really is about communication and making sure that we're open and transparent as much as we can be.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, It sounds like you're putting in a ton of work on the front end and reaping the benefits on the back end. So congratulations on that. That's an outstanding strategy.
0: Thanks, Chris. If you want the job, come on over.
1: (laughs) I would say I'd have to bring my kids with me. That's the one benefit of being able to work from home right now is that the uh, the five-year-old and the eight-year-old are right there. So,
0: Listen, a five-year-old and an eight-year-old have a ball at the Neon Museum, let me tell you.
1: I guarantee you I'd lose my five-year-old. I'm sure he'd find his way into a sign and never come out. As you think about... Retention and you think about how you're going to hold on to some of these people. I mean, I'm assuming that you don't enjoy the traditional layers where it's easy to point to somebody and say, Hey, yeah, I'm going to make you manager of the Boneyard, right? I mean, so what does growth look like in your organization if you don't have necessarily shoots of upward mobility that are easy to point to?
0: Yeah, so that's a challenge for a lot of museums in general. So there's not always a path forward for every employee we're not a Coca-Cola or Delta or a Fortune 500 where given time and, and ambition, you can work your way up a ladder. In certain cases, I, I don't always have those opportunities to move forward. But what I can do is make sure that the job that you have is as fulfilling for you as it potentially can be while you're with us. So if you want to advance your career, you may have to go to another museum in another state in order to make that happen if I don't have the opening available here. So that's part of our, that's one of the things that that is unfortunate, but a reality of museum life.
1: Okay. All right. Well, so in understanding how much you're targeting people, right, and looking at the very specific pools of labor you're looking for, yeah. do you think that helps you look at maybe like education as a growth opportunity and the fact that they actually love that, or do they get a chance to, based on their creative nature, add to, let's call it the scripting or the story or how things are presented. Is that something you give them an opportunity to do on a regular basis?
0: Absolutely. So we want each individual who's giving a tour to provide their own flavor, their own personality into the tour. We have people who, as I said, our theater backgrounds or maybe have a comedy background. And so you'll get a little shtick when you're walking through on it and hearing some of these stories. As long as everything remains fact-based and we are staying true to the history of Las Vegas and we're, we're staying in those lines, those, I am great with that. I love that. I think that's what makes a guided tour special and unique for a visitor. You're going to connect with that docent You're going to hear their stories and you're going to retain more. And at the end of the day, as I said, our goal is to make sure you leave here knowing more than when you came in the doors.
1: That's awesome. And I think that's a great lesson for everybody out there, right? Which is if you can tap into the unique nature of your team, especially if you're hiring for that, if you can tap into that unique nature, people are going to love to be there. I mean, I got to imagine that's one of the things that people really enjoy about working there at the museum.
0: They, They really do. We have a, a, challenging environment at times. We are a a night venue by far. So, So we've got people who are working until 11 or midnight and we're closed in the mornings. So they're working strange shifts. We're working with thousands of visitors a day. So there's ways of keeping their material fresh and engaging and exciting to a visitor. That's the challenge they face. And so we work on ways to help them do that.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I mean, it sounds like it's definitely challenging to make sure that you've got the team that you need, but it sounds like you're very focused on how you attract them, very focused on how you train them, very focused on how they grow with you. So, and of course, it sounds like y'all have a really good time as well, which seems to be a key piece of it.
0: Oh, man. I, I, again, I think that gets back to the culture. If you're not having fun where you're working, then you probably need to find a new job. Right. So I think that's just, that's got to be the core of everything. We all, everybody wants to make money. Everybody wants to get ahead, but you you don't want to get out of bed and just drudge that day ahead of you, right? You want to be smiling and happy about it. So yeah, absolutely. That's key to what we do.
1: And I think that's the core of what everybody's going through right now, right? Is so many people woke up, found themselves in jobs that they just showed up for. And then the pandemic hit, everybody opened up their eyes and realized, well, there may be something else out there. And now everybody's realizing that Even though you'd always heard it on TV, you'd heard it on whatever you watched, your parents probably told you love what you do. You actually can now, which is outstanding. And it sounds like you're being a beneficiary of it.
0: Yes, you can. We we haven't figured out yet how to be able to let you take a tour with a docent in their pajamas like many are doing from a remote environment, but we're working on that too. So we're making it, (laughs) we're making it as good as we can.
1: I love it. I love it. Well, it sounds like you have a ton to offer for anybody who comes on your team and and definitely for anybody who visits the museum. One of the things I would ask is as you're building a leadership team, if you have new people joining you, what kind of advice are you giving them as, uh, as they're coming in and as they're starting their career in hospitality here?
0: So, yeah, so that's a great point. A lot of our staff, we have promoted up through the ranks, but when we have that opportunity, it's something we really like to do. But what that does mean is that they're faced with the challenge of one day they were a coworker and now they're a supervisor or a manager or even a director. And they have a new skill set that they have to work, a new muscle group that they're not familiar with. And so it's our job um, as a leadership team to make sure that they're prepared to be good leaders. So the advice we keep giving is just lean into that uncomfortability those conversations that you don't necessarily want to have, but need to have. So this person who, again, was your coworker, and now you have to counsel them about attendance or a problem that occurred on the grounds. Now, this is, this is something that a manager can shy away from because they're nervous about it. So my job is to definitely make sure that they feel empowered, they feel supported. And again, the advice is just lean into it. And you can start the conversation by saying, You know, I I feel uncomfortable having this discussion. I just want you to know I'm not in a really great place, but let's talk through this. We need to talk through this together. And it becomes easier with the more practice you get.
1: That is phenomenal advice. I think so many times people are told when they first get started, don't worry, there's Just just start working at it. There's going to be somebody to help you. (laughs) Somebody will take care of it. And I think what people are realizing these days is there really is nobody else to take care of it, right? One of my favorite things when you talk about these crucial conversations, these difficult conversations is, you know, it used to be HR's job to do that, right? Or it used to be like the, the department head's job to do that. Well, those people don't exist anymore. And so now it's now it's everybody's responsibility. And that is phenomenal advice for any new leader that they've they've got to be comfortable in it. They've got to be comfortable doing it. And, and if they're going to be successful, it's the outcome of that conversation and, yeah. and being able to control the outcome of that conversation that's so important. I love it.
0: Absolutely.
1: And that's what that's true for whether you're a supervisor, a manager,
0: or you're just talking with your coworkers right? I mean, this is how resentments build and how discontent builds is when someone has said something, whether they meant to or they didn't, and it's not addressed. So it really is about being able to have that uncomfortable conversation and finding a way to just be as human about it as you can and own your own vulnerability and admit to the fact that you don't want to have that talk, but let's just talk through it and see where we come through on the other
1: end. Love it. I love it. All right, Aaron, we're going to wrap it up here, but where can people go to find out more about the neon museum?
0: Best way to do it with all of our offerings, the different tours we have, all the uh, evening events, just go to
1: neonmuseum.org and you can find out everything there. Awesome. Awesome. And if somebody wanted to message you, are you on a platform, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, LinkedIn any of those? Is the,
0: LinkedIn is the best way to hit me up and I am happy to make new friends anywhere in the country.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Aaron, this has been a ton of fun. It sounds like you have an amazing museum. I hope everybody gets a chance to go out there and see it. And I know when I'm out in Vegas, I'll I'll definitely stop by and say, hi.
0: We'd love it. You got jobs still open to you.
1: Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) I I probably can't do it justice. So, all right, Aaron, well, until next time and look forward to connecting again. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you for listening. And we hope you found this episode insightful. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star review. You can find more information and links to all the resources mentioned in today's episode at hospitalityleaderspodcast.com. This episode is brought to you by Upshift. Our on-demand staffing platform allows businesses to hire high-quality hourly workers with peace of mind. Find out more at upshift.work.